0: Well, Gonzaga has shown interest in another guard available in the NCAA transfer portal. That is defensive star Jeremiah Williams. What would his role be in Spokane? And are they likely to land the Iowa State transfer? Let's discuss. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Visit Fanduel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Happy July, folks. We got some mailbag questions to get to today to close out the show. Shout out to all of you who reached out. Shout out, of course, to those everyday listeners who have been listening to us on whatever podcast platform you prefer, as well as on YouTube as well. So we got some mailbag questions to cover. But before we do that, we're still talking transfer portal. I thought we were done talking about the transfer portal a few weeks ago, but Alex Tui ends up decommitting. Gonzaga ends up having three scholarship spots open. A handful of high-level graduate transfers enter the portal. The West Virginia thing happens, and you get a few players in the portal then. And suddenly, we find ourselves still talking about the transfer portal. And it's clear at this point that Gonzaga's eyeing a guard for another roster spot. Whether they will be done after adding a guard is unclear. They will still have two scholarship spots remaining. I think it's... More likely that they would use one of those scholarship spots on a 2023 recruit, perhaps an international recruit, somebody who's not expected to play big minutes right away because they're not going to have a lot of minutes available. But uh, based on Mark Fuse, the decision by the staff to recruit Paul Mulcahy out of Rutgers, they've been shown interest in Joe Toussaint out of West Virginia. It seems like they're interested in adding a guard to this roster who will contribute right away. And that's who they're eyeballing now in Jeremiah Williams. Jeremiah Williams is a six foot five guard from Chicago. I said former Iowa State guard, and that is technically true in the sense that he was. A registered student at Iowa State last year, but he did not play for that team. Again, six foot five guard from Chicago. Uh, again, Gonzaga's had a, a lot of success recruiting from Chicago. Zach Norvell is a very recent example. Braden Huff, an even more recent example, a guy who we will hopefully get to see more of this year on the basketball court. Uh, Jeremy Pargo, of course, the perhaps most notable zag from the Chicago area. Jeremiah Williams played at Temple in the 2021, excuse me, 2020-21 season, as well as the 21-22 seasons. Uh, in his freshman year in 2020-21, he played in just 16 games due to injury. In those 16 games, he played about 32 and a half minutes per game, averaged 9.3 points, four assists, three and a half boards, and 1.2 steals. Shot 32.5% from deep, which is not great, but also not terrible. And then in his sophomore season, he played 22 games, still dealt with some injuries throughout that season, played about 31 minutes per game, similar numbers, 9.5 points, 4.3 assists, 3.5 rebounds, basically exactly the same between year one and year two, 1.4 steals as well. That three-point percentage dropped pretty significantly, though. He was 32.5% as a freshman, down to 23.1% as a sophomore. That's a little concerning. The three-point shooting, not exactly an area that he has proven any level of consistency up to this point. However, he's proven he's a very, very good passer. He's 31.1% assist rate during that 21-22 season, which is excellent. Very, very, very good passer, distributor, facilitator. He also had a one7 defensive box plus minus, which is very good as well. So we're looking at a player who, during his two seasons at Temple, displayed good defensive instincts, an ability to knock the ball away and get steals, and high-level passing. He also didn't turn the ball over all that much. So that's the general package that we're looking at from Davenport, excuse me, Davenport, from Williams in those first two seasons. The problem is we haven't seen anything from him since then. Gonzaga's already recruited a player who did not play last season in college basketball in Graham Ek, who of course sat out for Wyoming. Now Ek, the last season that he did play was a Mountain West defensive or Mountain West player of the year candidate. And so there's a little bit more optimism about what he can bring to the table. Whereas with Williams, he spent those two years at Temple transferred to Iowa State, suffered a pretty significant Achilles injury during a summer workout, was ruled out for the entire year. And at the end of the season, before he had hit the portal, Iowa State, their coach was already making indications that, hey, we're not even sure if he's going to be ready for the start of next season. It was a really bad injury that Williams suffered before he even got on the floor for Iowa State. After the season, he entered the transfer portal and then he committed earlier this month in June to Illinois. And then after a few weeks of being committed to Illinois, he decided to decommit, has re entered the portal, and is now available. And a lot of schools are showing interest despite the questionable injury history, despite some of the reasons to be a bit apprehensive about Williams at this point. Uh, a list of schools that have reached out to him this is per John Rothstein on Twitter. This was push- published on July 2nd. So very up to date information here. The list of schools who are interested in Jeremiah Williams. Arizona State, Georgetown, Pitt, Rutgers, San Jose State, Wichita State, St. Bonaventure, Middle Tennessee, University of Central Florida, and of course, Zaga. So we're looking at a player who is not getting a ton of high major interest necessarily. Now he obviously had committed and decommitted from Illinois. So clearly, uh, after spending a year at Iowa State, even though he didn't play, and then committing to Illinois, clearly there are high major programs who are invested in him, interested in him, willing to recruit him in that level. Uh, To me, looking at this list, obviously some of the programs are our mid major programs that could make a really nice splash by adding a player with his pedigree, with his success. San Jose State would be through the roof. If they were able to land Jeremiah Williams, I think he'd be one of the best players on that team really helped them out. Same with middle Tennessee, same with St. Bonaventure, Uh, same to an extent with Wichita state as well. Uh, Rutgers makes a lot of sense to me as well. This is a program that lost Paul, Paul Mulcahy, to the transfer portal, a player that Gonzaga is interested in cam Spencer, their other starting guard from last year's team. He entered the portal and went to UConn. So they're down two starting guards. They could add a player like Williams. And if he's healthy kind of slot him right into a starting role uh, for that team. So it's maybe not a list of schools that, that you typically see Gonzaga associated with, uh, but they, they're, they're on the hunt. They're on the hunt for a very specific type of player. It's like we talked about with Mulcahy. It's like we talked about with Joe Toussaint. It's like we talked about with Noah Williams, although they haven't expressed uh, outright interest in Noah Williams' transfer from Washington. Uh, he fits that bill of the kind of player they're looking for. Williams is a six foot five guard, like we said, and I think his role at Gonzaga would be kind of to fill that Malachi Smith role. We've talked about that a few times with some of these other guys, like who's going to fill that role? Who's going to be the sixth man, the guard who comes off the bench, who can play. Maybe he only gives you 12 minutes one night because you don't really need him. Maybe he gives you 25 minutes one night. Malachi Smith is the kind of guy where some games you'd barely notice him. and some games, he'd lead the team in scoring. That's the kind of thing you want. I don't know that Jeremiah Williams would, would lead Gonzaga in scoring very much, but he's a very good facilitator. And more than anything else, he's a good defensive player. Bringing him in as a third guard behind Ryan Nemhard, behind Nolan Hickman, guys that he is four inches taller than. He provides a different look. He provides a different aesthetic and a, better, a different skill set. Not better skill set, different skill set. He's a very good passer, just like both those guys are, but he's also a very good defensive player. That's one of the issues I'm seeing on Gonzaga's roster right now. Not just perimeter defense, but defense in general. Anton Watson is a very good defensive player. The three additions Gonzaga brought in, Ryan Nembhard, Steele Venters, Graham Ek, none of them project in my mind to be plus, like very good defensive players. They might be fine. I'm not saying they're going to be actively bad, but they didn't bring anybody in who really moves the needle significantly on the defensive end of the floor. Jeremiah Williams would do that. A guy who averaged over a steal per game in each of his first two seasons at Temple, a guy who is projected to be somebody who would come in and and be disruptive to opposing WCC guards. There's a lot of good guards in the WCC. We know that many of them had their way with Gonzaga last year. Think about uh, think about LMU, Cam Spencer over there. He had a fantastic job for them. Cam Shelton, excuse me. Uh, he, he was fantastic for them last year. We've seen it from a handful of other guys. Aiden Mahaney's not going anywhere. He's going to be a problem for Gonzaga next year as well. So bringing in somebody who can be a bit more of a defensive stopper would be critical. I don't think you bring Jeremiah Williams in to play 20-plus minutes per game. Again, he might be able to do it periodically, but for the most part, he's behind the guys who are already there. If Steel Venters plays more minutes at the two because somebody like Yo is ready to play big minutes at the three, that might limit Jeremiah Williams entirely. Now, the good news for Williams is that he has at least two years of eligibility. I don't know if he's going to apply for a waiver. Again, he played 16 games and 22 games in his first two seasons at Temple. So I don't think that he would get a waiver for those two seasons. So he's probably got two years of eligibility remaining. Maybe he spends them both at Gonzaga. Maybe he uh, comes to Gonzaga, plays a decent role, and then looks somewhere else. Who knows what might happen there? But for Gonzaga, if they're not, if they don't think Dusty Stromer's ready for a bigger role, or even if they just want somebody who's going to come in and, and be more of that defensive stopper, I think there's a, a legitimate reason to bring in somebody like Williams. The injury stuff is a big concern, and for Gonzaga, I know that they're doing their due diligence. They're checking in on him. They're they're having him looked at. They're getting updates from the, the athletic trainers at Iowa State. How healthy is he? Uh, Is he going to be ready to go at the start of the season? If not, how long could it be? You know, all that stuff. And and those are things that I'm not privy to. I don't know that information there. Uh, Certainly, if he's not ready to go, then this might not be the, the perfect situation for Gonzaga school. Some of the other schools might be more willing to wait on him. If he's not ready till December, January, et cetera. But but for Gonzaga, I don't think that's what they want here. So that's probably a question that they're they're working on figuring out. But a guy that I think makes a lot of sense in terms of what Gonzaga needs right now on this roster. Good defense, good distribution, a guard that's not just barely over six feet. I think there's a lot of things to like about Jeremiah Williams were he to consider uh, coming to Gonzaga. Well, which Zag is going to show the most improvement next season? We're going to discuss my pick and why coming up after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing, and there is no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. So just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today zag fans perhaps you want to make a bet regarding marco gonzalez and the mariners or eli morgan and the cleveland guardians either way don't miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet of up to one thousand dollars when you join fanduel today just go to fanduel.com locked on to sign up fanduel an official partner of major league baseball all right folks want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those of you everyday listeners on YouTube or on your preferred podcast platform if you want to become an everyday listener. Very simple. You can hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Get notified whenever new shows come out. Again, it is very much appreciated for each and every one of you. All right, folks, we are doing Mailbag Monday today. We did not get very many questions. Of course, we are in July. I'm also going to kind of blame Twitter because Twitter has not been as uh, reliable in terms of getting uh, engagement these last few days, as uh, we've seen the platform kind of take a bit of a dive in that situation. But we did get a fantastic question here from longtime listener Jacob Corder at Jacob Quarter 2 on Twitter, who says, which zag will have the biggest jump this next season? And I decided to take that question and put it out into an entire segment here. We're going to talk about four of the returners for Gonzaga and the players that we think might have a bigger jump. I didn't want to talk about, you know, certainly Dusty Stromer can't really have a jump from not playing last season. I don't count Yo because he did not play last season either, although certainly he is a player who could have a very, very big jump from being a non-factor last year. Again, not playing to being a guy who contributes in a big way for this team. But I'm not going to count that because I don't really think that we can count that as a jump. Likewise with the transfers, A, I don't think we're going to see Ryan Nempard dramatically improve from the production he had at Creighton because he was really, really good at Creighton. Steel Venters is probably not going to put up 15 points per game for Gonzaga like he did at Eastern. Grammy EK did not play last year on average 19 and nine in his the most recent season he played at wyoming so none of those guys really qualify so instead we're going to look at returnees on this roster who could outproduce what they did last season and we're going to start drumroll talk about anton watson Anton Watson has been a four-year start, not quite starter, but he started a huge chunk of games in the last four years, started every game last year, had his most productive college basketball season. So talking about him as being a potential big jumper in his fifth college season may seem a little bit silly, but there's a very obvious reason for it. Drew Timmy is no longer in a Gonzaga basketball uniform. Anton Watson and Drew Timmy were teammates for the last four seasons. Anton Watson was also teammates with Chet Holmgren and various other extremely talented players in the front court, Killian Tilly among them. And so for, for, for Watson, there just hasn't been an opportunity to be a big focal point offensively. And now there is. And again, we talked about Graham E.K. already, and I think E.K. is going to be a player who takes a lot of touches. He's going to get the ball on the block a lot. He's going to do a lot of scoring. It's not like Anton Watson is going to be asked to replicate all of Drew Timmy's offensive uh, production from last year. Graham E.K. is going to soak up a bunch of that. But Graham E.K. is not as good as Drew Timmy. Not a knock on (laughs) E.K. Drew Timmy is one of the best, most prolific low post scorers in college basketball history, certainly in modern history. So, if Ike plays, you know, take 75% of the touches of Drew Timmy, let's say. And you have Watson, who already was very productive last year, already scored a lot of points, career high, all that stuff. And you're going to give him a little bit more of a bump, more low post touches. Get him the ball in space. Let him create things that we saw glimpses from him last year and more than we'd ever seen from him in the three previous years. But we still only saw flashes of it from him last year. It wasn't every game. It wasn't super consistent. This year, we could see that. I think Anton Watson is the most likely player to look like a different and improved version of himself next season. And I know it's odd to be talking about a fifth year guy in that role, especially a guy who's been fairly consistent when he's been healthy the last four years. But I really think that's what we're going to see from him. Maybe we'll see more of him stretching the floor. Again, a guy who shot 11% as a freshman from three, he shot 33% last year. That's a tremendous improvement. Could he shoot 36% this year? Again, I don't think he's going to be taking a bunch of threes per game, but if he's taking one and a half per game, shooting 36%, also more likely to create around the rim, drive to the basket, draw contact, get to the free throw line, Maybe he improves there, an area that he certainly has room to improve. I think he was about 58% last year, not a strength of his. I think we could be looking at an Anton Watson who averages 15, 16 per game, six, seven, eight rebounds per game. One of the best defensive players in the country. Should be a favorite to win WCC Defensive Player of the Year. Won't get snubbed from the all WCC teams this year, certainly if if he puts up those kind of numbers for a good team in Gonzaga. So for me, Watson is the option here. Doesn't mean he's the only option, but I think he's the player that I think we're going to see have the biggest difference in role and production. Next up on the list is Nolan Hickman. And Nolan Hickman, I think makes a lot of sense here as well. He's going to be in a different role next year. There is no doubt about that. He is not going to play as many minutes on ball as the point guard because the team brought in Ryan Nembhard. And Ryan Nembhard played 35 minutes per game last year at Creighton and was the primary ball handler. Ryan Nembhard is distinctly a point guard. Nolan Hickman, who spent a lot of his first year at Gonzaga playing in an off-ball role alongside somebody else named Nemhard and Andrew, I think we're going to see Nolan step more into that role again in year three. More off-ball, maybe he starts at the two, maybe he's coming off the bench, it kind of depends what happens with if Gonzaga adds another transfer, what they do with Steel Venters, where Yo fits into the equation, there's a lot of things that that haven't been answered yet, but I could see Nolan Hickman thriving in an off-ball role, more of a scorer, Less pressure to facilitate, less pressure to run the offense, uh, more catch and shoot, attack the basket, attacking closeouts, that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know that we're going to see his numbers explode and be like, you know, he's not going to average way more points per game or anything like that. I'd be, He could. I'd be surprised if that happened. I just think he's going to look a lot different this year. Whether we are going to constitute that as a big jump from him kind of depends. Certainly an area where he could improve that would make us feel a lot better is towards the end of the season, two seasons in a row. Nolan Hickman has pretty much vanished towards the end of the year for Gonzaga to make a deep run next year. They need, need him to be playing at his best or at least not at his worst. When they get into the end of the season, if he can prove he can do that. And a lot of that is just conditioning and hard work and, being ready for the grind of an entire season, if he can do that, that's going to make us feel a lot better about what Nolan Hickman does in year three. But I think for him, the jump is going to be hard to gauge just because he's going to be in a different role. Ben Gregg, I think was a fairly obvious answer to this question that I kind of hesitated to bring out only because I don't think the role is there for him to take this big explosive step forward. I think the talent is there. In fact, I know that the talent is there. The work ethic is absolutely there. The the growth that he went through from last year to this most recent season was tremendous. He got stronger. He got faster. He got better. You could tell he put in the work. And when he was given the opportunity to play last year, he took full advantage and stole a role from Efton Reed and held on to it for the rest of the year. But this year, Anton Watson comes back and you bring in Graham Ike. Greg kind of looks like the third big again. And while I think he'll be relied upon a little bit more, might come into games earlier, might even be a finishing player at the, uh, at the end of the games, I'm not sure that he's going to get this huge bump in playing time, which is what would be necessary for his minutes and his, his overall production to, to explode in a way where we'd say, yes, Ben Gregg was the biggest jumper on this team. I think we're going to see an improved version of Ben Gregg next year because we've seen an improved version of Ben Gregg every year that he has been at Gonzaga, but I'm not sure that the minutes will be there for his jump to be as obvious. And then the final guy I want to talk about is Caden Perry. And it's hard to qualify a jump for a guy who did not play last year. But based on what we've seen from Caden Perry, which is admittedly eight college basketball games, that is all we have seen from Caden Perry in the time he has been in a Gonzaga uniform. If he plays a role next year, even if it's four minutes per game in 25 games, just in garbage time, whatever, that to me is a jump. That is a, a, a big advantage for Caden Perry to show that he can do that. I hope, sincerely, that we see that for him, not just for us as Gonzaga fans, but for him personally, a guy who's gone through a lot to get to this point. It'd be great to see him get on the floor and showcase what he's capable of doing next year. I don't think we're going to see some like, you know, national comeback player of the year type situation for Caden Perry. Cause again, if the minutes aren't there for Ben Gregg, they're sure as heck not there for Caden Perry, but even a small role for him would be tremendous to see uh, in the 23, 24 season. All right. Well, we're going to close out today's show discussing slam ball, believe it or not, as well as a question about Andrew Nembhard's role next season for the Indiana Pacers, all coming up right after this. all right segment three here still any patents still locked on zag still going through mailbag monday here got a few questions to get through to close out the show this one comes from ian on discord and i want to shout out the discord channel that i just started kind of in response to what's going on on twitter again i'm not going to get too far into all of that uh, but i will post a link to the discord server in the notes if you want to get in- get involved you just click on the link you can join we're going to have a lot of chats there conversations it's a place to ask mailbag questions to get updates on what's going on around Gonzaga and college basketball in general. Anyway, Ian on Discord asked the following question With Slam Ball reportedly coming back, which Zags would you like to see participate? Yes, I'm so excited that Slam Ball is coming back. I'm a bit apprehensive. We will see when we see uh, about this. It's a bit like the XFL where you get a lot of promises that something's coming back, but is it actually there? Is it going to stick? Uh, slam Ball, for those who do not know, uh, it was around on Spike TV in 2002 and 2003. Very briefly in 2008, it made a return. Uh, it's basically trampoline basketball, kind of some hockey mixed in as well. There's there's four trampolines on the floor. Uh, it's four-on-four basketball. Uh, you can take threes, you can take regular shots just like you would in basketball, but you can also jump off the trampolines and try to throw down pretty monstrous dunks. It's a very fun sport. It's, it's like basketball, but once you watch it, you realize it's actually not that much like basketball. In terms of former Zags that would play, it's kind of hard to know if anybody would truly be interested in this. Uh, for Gonzaga, most of their players, even players who don't play all that much, most of them play professionally. And if you got an opportunity to go to Europe and play, you're going to do that over slam ball. I don't know what these contracts are going to look like. It's obviously not something that, uh, you know, it's got a lot of job security considering that it hasn't lasted very long in the previous iterations, but it would be incredibly fun to get a chance to watch this sport with former Zags participating. The first name that came to my mind was Ira Brown, Ira Brown, believe it or not, still playing professional basketball in Osaka in Japan. I think he's 41. Now he played 66 games last season in japan just a absolute workhorse of a man but he is a very very high level athlete him coming back playing in slam ball would be so so fun i could see somebody like colby brooks not obviously this year as he's still got some time left in a gonzaga uniform but colby brooks is a very very high level athlete if he wanted to uh, find a, a place to play basketball or play a version of basketball after his gonzaga career is over He's the kind of guy I could see doing it, and it would be fun to see him in that role. Heck, do you guys remember Guy Landry-Eddie? Landry-Eddie was on that uh, 2012-2013 team, the first Gonzaga team to be ranked number one in the country. He began the season as a starter but was replaced by Mike Hart in the starting lineup. Landry-Eddie played in Germany last year, but he played in their like third level of professional basketball in Germany, so not exactly a high-level euro league or european basketball player right now but he was a really really good athlete big jumper would be kind of fun to see him come back to the states and participating in slam ball i'd be surprised if any zags were to jump onto the slam ball train if we're being honest but uh it would make an even bigger excuse for me to watch it and i'm hoping that it does so that we get a chance to to flip it on and watch uh watch a a very entertaining game final question of the show here comes from jared via twitter dm excuse me jared says Indiana made a lot of moves to their backcourt. Is Andrew Nembhard's role going to be diminished next season? I hope not. I mean, either. I also hope that Andrew Nembhard will continue to get a big run with the Pacers. But yeah, the Pacers really made a flurry of moves this offseason, changed a lot uh, of their backcourt. They also, of course, drafted Jarris Walker, who's going to be a frontcourt player for them out of the University of Houston, but still a, a, a big addition for them. The big thing they did in the backcourt so far is sign Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown was a big part of the Denver Nuggets uh, championship run this year is kind of their fourth fifth best player a uh, really good defensive player but they're penciling him in to be the starting shooting guard right now using espn's depth chart tracker which is not always the most accurate but right now it lists bruce brown as the starting shooting guard for the pacers tyrese halliburton is the starting point guard of course he's not going to go anywhere they list tj mcconnell as the backup point guard and they kind of list andrew nemhart as, as the backup two to bruce brown this team did trade Chris Duarte, former Oregon player, who, who was kind of playing that backup two role, a guy that was really good as a rookie because he was a very old rookie, but kind of hasn't looked all that good since then. So they got rid of Duarte. They bring in Bruce Brown. They also draft Ben Shepard out of Belmont. And Ben Shepard is a point guard. Like he, he was drafted out of Belmont because of his passing ability. Like That is his biggest skill set that he brings. Last year, Andrew Nembhard started 63 out of the 75 games that he played. I don't think that's going to happen again this year. With Bruce Brown in the mix, with Tyrese Halliburton, with T.J. McConnell, with Ben Mathurin, uh, who's more of a three but kind of can play a little bit of the two as well, like this team has a lot of talent in the backcourt. Nemhard still in that mix, but I think he's going to be a valuable reserve player for the Pacers. Last year, he played 27.6 minutes per game. I also think there's a chance that comes down a little bit too, but I don't think much. I don't think we're talking about him going from playing twenty-eight minutes per game and starting most of the games to playing 10 minutes a night and, and you know, picking up a bunch of DNPs. I, I think it's more like he plays twenty-two minutes per night, he plays every game, he plays valuable minutes, but he's not necessarily a starter unless there's an injury in the in the starting lineup. That's my prediction right now. It's July 2nd as I'm recording this. And even though NBA free agency basically goes in a flash, there are still things that could change. There are injuries that could happen. There are various things that could change this situation for Andrew Nempard. But it's hard to look at what he did last year, being an uh, all-rookie second-team caliber player. I keep saying it like that because he was one vote away from actually making the all-NBA second team. But it'd be, it would be unfortunate to see a guy explode in that way as a productive rookie, and not get rewarded with more playing time. But the Pacers are trying to be a better team. They don't want to be continue to be in the lottery. They want to start contending for the playoffs. And while I think Andrew Nemhard proved he's very capable of being an NBA starting point guard, teams that are really good, teams that make the playoffs, that make deep runs, they have NBA starting caliber players on their bench. If that's who the Pacers view themselves as right now, a player like Nemhard loses some playing time. I think Andrew Nembhard would, would trade a few minutes per game and a few points per game to win a championship. I don't think the Pacers are NBA championship contenders next year necessarily, but if that's the direction they're trying to go, that could lead to Andrew Nembhard playing a little bit less. Nembhard already secured his bag. He got a guaranteed contract coming out of the draft, which is fantastic for him. I'm really optimistic that he's going to continue to be a very productive NBA player, but I do think that some of the stuff we saw from him last year, namely being a consistent starter and playing close to 30 minutes per night, probably won't happen based on the moves Indiana has made so far this offseason. All right, that is going to do it for us today, folks. Plenty more fantastic stuff coming your way this week. We're going to continue to keep you updated on NBA contracts. Demonte Sabonis, Rui Hadjimera, sign new deals. We'll talk about that. We'll keep you posted on the transfer portal and what's going on with the women's basketball program as well. Thank you all for listening. Appreciate all of your support. Check out the Discord channel as well. Uh, Click that link in the show notes here and join us all there. Uh, Again, thank you all for listening. And until next time, as always, go Zags.